O Lord, be our vision, particularly in this season of change. Be our vision for the change that you desire to see within our lives and empower us to make those changes for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. God's peace be with you, friends. We are finishing the series that we've been in in the month of January. Today, the series called A Season of Change. And we've been exploring those changes that we each know that we need to make. Maybe in some cases it's uh, stopping a bad habit that we've kind of fallen into. Or perhaps it's beginning a new healthy habit that we know would benefit us so much more. We've made the point over these weeks that for the Christian, change is not optional. Jesus' call to repent is really a call to change, a call to transformation in how we live our lives. And really, each day is an opportunity for change. Even though we've gone through the New Year's thing and maybe you've made some New Year's resolutions, what we're talking about is not something you do once a year. It's something you work on every day. Each day is an opportunity for change. And today we're specifically asking, what change is God engineering for you to make in your life? What change is God engineering for you to make in your life? And are you ready to actually make that change? Now, for this sermon series, we've been drawing on the insights of a book by Carrie Patterson entitled, Change Anything. If you haven't picked up a copy, I really strongly encourage you to get it. It's a very practical, helpful book. And of course, it's not the Bible, but it does help us appreciate more the biblical truth that change comes from the power of Christ at work in us, in others around us, and in the world. Now, Patterson's book provides this change matrix that we've been looking at over these weeks to help us visualize the dynamics of how real-life change takes place. You may or may not have gotten a copy of this bookmark. There are some in the lobby as you leave. Pick one up because on the back is that change matrix provided for you that you can have to look at and refer to again and again. I find it very, very helpful and very practical. But this change matrix, as we've said, involves six sources of influence that we can enlist for ourselves to help us make real life changes in the way we do things. Now, only you know what change you need to make. But what we've seen through this matrix is that a higher level of success at achieving those changes comes if we incorporate all six of these sources of influence. Two of them are on a personal level, two of them are on a social level, and then the last two are uh, structural sources of influence we'll talk about today. We began on the personal level talking about, first of all, how important it is that, that we find a personal motivation to make the change. You know, sometimes when we think about a certain change that we know we need to make, it, it strikes us as mm, unpleasant or undesirable to pursue that change. But as we've said, if we stopped and considered the benefits that would come our way if we actually made that change, that's motivating. 
or if we stop and consider the negative consequences of not making the change, that can be personally motivating as well. And we said that we need to invest in new skills, new abilities, and learn new information related to the change that we're talking about. That's on the personal level. Last week, we looked at the second level, the the social level of change. And last week, we said that we have to distinguish between what we call accomplices and true friends. Accomplices, again, these are people in our life who may be very well-meaning, but they tend to enable our bad habits. You know, if you're one that's inclined to eat too much sweets, they're the ones who are always giving you sweets, you know? They enable your bad habits, whatever it might be. They're accomplices toward your bad habits. We distinguish between those people and true friends who are the kind of people who, who are your allies in change. They're the ones who encourage you toward the change. They're your cheerleaders for change. They're on your team, so to speak, for making those changes. And so the challenge is to harness that peer pressure and invite those true friends to hold you accountable toward making those changes. And as we said last week, we find strength in numbers. The idea is to have more friends than accomplices. If your true friends outweigh your accomplices, there's a higher probability that your change is going to actually last. And of course, that's one of the roles of the church. Here we are as people of God, bonded together as shepherd of the Desert Lutheran Church. We're we're committed to each other through our faith in Jesus Christ, and we're connected to one another through our bond of love for each other. We care about each other. That means we can ask each other to hold us accountable and serve in that role to help each other make the positive changes we know we need to make. So today, we are examining the third segment of the change matrix. Today, we're exploring those environmental factors around us that either hinder us or help us in making needed changes. The big idea for today's message is this, that the physical environment around us affects our behavior. The space around us, the things around us impact what we do. And so managing our environment is a means of effecting change in our life. We're going to explore that a little bit more today. In looking at this structural kind of Uh, uh, sources of influence for change, first of all, let's talk about the motivation. The encouragement here is to intentionally design some rewards for yourself as you make progress toward your change, and then ask people to hold you accountable to those changes. In other words, build in some incentives that will keep you going forward in your goal of changing. They may be some positive incentives, good things that you reward yourself with, or it may be some negative incentives, some things that would be mm, kind of uh, unpleasant if, you know, you've allowed this to happen, if you didn't take the next step. Incentives. Reward yourself. Carrie Patterson encouraged you to, to reward yourself with small wins, you know, the little steps you take 
Sometimes we think, well, when I get done with my goal of losing 75 pounds, then I'll reward myself. But man, that, that rarely works. Much better is to reward yourself when you take the first step toward losing that weight or whatever the goal might be. Reward yourself in small increments and do it frequently. And be sure to reward your actions, not your results. You know, you can't control the results, but you can control what you do, your vital behaviors. And so reward your behaviors a little bit at a time. And then, of course, combine all of this with what we learned last week. Have some other people hold you accountable to make those changes. And this last uh, segment also involves changing your environment. Now, I'm not talking about nature out there. I'm talking about the things around you that influence you one way or another. You see, we need to control the space around us and the things around, uh, around us in order to maximize the environment for our good. It involves things like setting up some fences or some boundaries to keep us from things that we know would take us down a wrong path. If you have a drinking problem, for example, and for years, every day you leave work, you come home, and on your route is the bar, and you always stop at that bar before you go home, and it always leads you into problems, maybe you need to set up a boundary and plan a different route home from that point forward, a boundary around that bar that you never go there one little incremental step toward improvement. Set up some fences or boundaries. Secondly, utilize distance. Do you need to distance yourself from something that is dragging you down? Maybe it's the television. I don't know what it is. What is dragging you down? What is holding you back from moving forward? Do you need to put some distance between yourself and whatever that thing is in your environment? Or maybe it's making use of the tools and devices that are readily at our fingertips. Sometimes those same tools and devices can drag us down, our phones and our computers and so on, but they can also be tools that you can use in a way to help you make the positive changes you need to make. They can help you stay on track. They can measure the number of steps you take toward your goal of losing weight, whatever it might be. Make use of those tools and devices to help you. Now, I know those things sound rather earthy and worldly and such. Very practical, really. But isn't life really practical? Isn't life really earthy? We don't live in the glories of heaven yet. We're down in the realities of this world, and this world is hard, and change is difficult. And practical steps are what we need to take in order for change to happen. St. Paul understood that. And in his first letter to his young apprentice, Timothy, he gave Timothy some very practical advice because Timothy was living in a, different, a difficult environment. Timothy was living and working in the town of Ephesus, which today is located on the west coast of the country of Turkey. It was a very pagan city. But after St. Paul warns Timothy about the traps of greed and envy and strife 
and gossip and malicious talking and all of that, he then encourages Timothy to distance himself from such evil things. Listen again to what he said in verse 11 of our epistle reading for today, 1 Timothy 6, verse 11. Paul says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Catch that? Run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And you know, when Paul admonishes Timothy to flee evil, he literally meant it. Flee it. Go away from it. Put distance between yourself and all of that stuff going on in Ephesus. Yes, continue to reach out, continue to do your ministry, but don't get caught up in the things of the world. There were any number of sources of temptation there in Ephesus, and greed seemed to be especially common among the people there. And we can just imagine heeding, uh, Timothy heeding the words of Paul and controlling his environment so that he could pursue godliness and avoid the traps that Ephesus had for him. He had to adjust his environment. Let me ask you a question. What adjustments to your physical environment would help you achieve your change goals? You know what those things are you want to change. What adjustments to your environment would help you achieve your change goals. I like the story that is told of the early Spanish explorer who sailed his ships to a brand new land to claim the land for his home country. And upon arriving, the explorer was looking for absolute dedication from his men on the ships to the cause of settling this new land. He wanted everyone in with him on this task of claiming this new land for Spain. So he instructed his men to burn the ships in the harbor. They were on the land and they burned the ships out in the harbor. And by burning the ships, the men could not back out of their commitment. The safe exit, you see, was eliminated, and the only option was to go forward. There are two brothers from Australia named Joel and Luke Smallbone, and together they formed the Christian singing group known as For King and Country. Maybe you've heard some of their songs on the Christian radio station recently. They came out with an album entitled, Burn the Ships, and that is the name of the title song on that album, Burn the Ships. In a newsletter following the release of the album, Luke Smallbone had this to say about the title track, which gives the background, background for why they wrote this song. This is what he wrote. This song was conceived in a moment when my wife Courtney was battling fear, shame, and addiction. While pregnant with our son Phoenix, she was taken an anti-nausea drug and became addicted to it. We went on this pilgrimage of figuring out how to overcome this. 
She went to outpatient therapy, but for the next year was still taking Benadryl and Tylenol PM. I came home one day and found her crying. She said, I'm flushing all the pills. I want to be fully present for my life, not numb anymore. I'm not going back. It's a new day. Luke goes on to say, from that moment on, she has no longer been bound by the shame and guilt from her past. Her story, paired with the one I read of the Spanish explorer ordering his men to burn the ships, is what inspired the message behind this album. So let this be your battle cry, an invitation to leave the past behind, burn your ships, and step into a new day. I think the opening lyrics of the song are really very telling. Here are the opening words. How did we get here? We're cast away on a lonely shore. I can see in your eyes, dear, it's hard to take for a moment more. We've got to burn the ships, cut the ties, send a flare into the night, say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears, and wave goodbye. Step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon the heartache, yeah. So light a match, leave the past, burn the ships, and don't you look back. Powerful words. It's a great song. If you haven't heard it, bring it up on uh, Google sometime. Watch the video. It's really quite powerful. But the question I want to ask you is, what kind of ships do you need to burn? What kinds of things do you need to leave in the past so that you can truly move forward under the blessing of God? Is this a season of change for you? The good news, friends, is that we don't have to face these changes on our own. For you see, as we stated earlier in this series, God Himself brings His power to bear in our lives in our baptism, first and foremost. We're reminded that in our baptism, we are connected to the cross of Jesus and to His resurrection. In our baptism, we're connected to that place where the, the sins of our past are wiped away through the death of Jesus for us. And in our baptism, we're connected to His resurrection, which assures us that we have a brand new life here, a brand new life waiting us in heaven, and with new life comes new hope and a new possibility for a new way of living. For not only do we experience forgiveness and new life in our baptism, we've also been given a new power, resurrection power, to make changes in how we live. Now, we've also said that baptism gives us our identity, our true identity as children of God and nothing less than that. And that baptismal identity that we have in Christ gives us the confidence and the power to actually engage change. Are you ready to make changes? Tools like the change matrix remind us that we are indeed more likely to actually change our behavior if we make use of all six of the sources of influence available to us. So to close up this series, 
Let me challenge you with these thoughts. First of all, find your personal motivation and build the skills that you need to actually make changes. But don't try to do this all by yourself. Go on to the second part of the matrix. Harness the peer pressure of your true friends, as many of them as possible, to support you and encourage you toward making their changes. And then thirdly, build in some rewards and manage the things around you to assure success. It's really that simple, and it's really that hard. But you know, Jesus' call to repent is a call to change. It's a call to transformation. And friends, this is a season of change. And with God's help, you can change anything, for all things are possible with God. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.